Welcome back to Fight Night with Fred. I'm your host, Fred. In the last episode, we made our predictions for UFC Fight Night at the Apex on October 7th, which was headlined by Bobby Green and Grant Dawson. Now, before we get into that card and how I did on my picks, I have a treat for all of you. Joining me this week is an avid UFC fan and a longtime friend of mine, Mr. Preston Payne. Preston, thank you for coming That's on. good. Thank you very much for coming. Happy to be here. I'm excited. You know, this is one of the guys that I normally go to for any UFC news or, you know, just even watching the fights or, you know. We've had plenty of these talks. We've had some good talks. Many conversations. Many conversations, many disagreements, but um, it's going to be fun. And again, thank you very much for coming on. For sure, sure, yeah. All right. So UFC Fight Night at the Apex. It was a pretty interesting card. uh, Lots of drama. I went three for four that week. And you might be stopping yourself saying, Fred, you can count, right? I mean, you picked five fights. Well, the Kutabala and Felipe Lons fight was canceled. Kutabala was sick, and it really sucks for both guys. I'm really hoping to see Ian get back into the octagon pretty quick. But as for Bobby King Green, man, okay, he made me eat my words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He made me eat my yeah. words. You know, you know, I was I was talking the most. I really was because I was out here saying, oh, he doesn't have that one punch power. Um, you know, he's old. He doesn't deserve a... I think he's catching a second wind in his career. I think Tony Ferguson woke him up. Because people were doubting him in the Tony Ferguson fight, and he went out there and mauled that fool. You know, And people were doubting him even more in the Grant Dawson fight, considering Grant Dawson's an up-and-coming contender, ranked number 15 at mm-hmm. the time. Or no, he was ranked number 10 at the time. I was. Uh, yeah, he was ranked yeah, number 10, and Bobby 10. Green just took over his spot. Yeah. You know... And honestly, it kind of sucks. I do like Grant Dawson. Grant Dawson's I cool, do. but he's I cool. Feel, but you know, I, Bobby I, Green though. I had the smallest feeling that something would happen that I wouldn't expect, and I was right. But yeah. I had Grant Dawson winning a decision versus Bobby Green. You I see, feel like Bobby Green could take it, like to mm-hmm. a decision. Oh yeah. I didn't expect a thirty-three second knockout. Yes, exactly. You know, like I remember watching that thirty seconds in. I see that jab. Grant Dawson gets dropped, and then he just finishes with that flurry of punches. You exactly. Know? A jab is just insane <sighs> to me. Yes. Especially, okay, with Grant Dawson, I felt like if it did go to the decision, he would just flood him with takedowns mm-hmm. and not much standing. Yeah. He didn't He didn't really go for anything at all. I mean, he just granted, sat there and I mean, just... Granted, we only saw 33 seconds of a fight, though. Yes, but I mean the way that he put him out, I feel like he wasn't having an off day. He got outskilled. Okay, I mean I, that's. I mean I can watch that fight that, back. That's very surprising for me because yeah. I did have Bobby losing that. But I don't know. See, I can watch that fight back. It'll take me all but thirty three seconds. But still, you know, the like, where did I go wrong there? Well, I mean, realistically, like looking at the odds, watching Grant Dawson's previous fights and. You know, Bobby Green, he just came off a win against Tony, the old man, Ferguson. So, like, I really wasn't expecting too much from him there. That, and I just thought that Grant was just going to dominate Bobby on the ground. And I thought that, I really thought there was going to be a second round submission that was going to win it. But, you know, Bobby Green, we haven't seen a TKO from him since 2021. And, again, just like I said earlier, like, he's not really the kind of guy that's just going to go out there and drop you. But, I mean, that's pretty much what he did with that jab there. And they just finished him off with the flurry of punches. And so, you know, shout out to Bobby Green. He shut me up there. Now, and thinking about it also with that, yeah, Tony Ferguson dropped him pretty bad in the first round. I will say that. So yeah, it was did. competitive for a bit before it wasn't, of course. So mm-hmm. that's where I was like, I don't think Bobby Green can do it to yeah. Grant Dawson. But he made it look easy. Yeah. I remember watching that fight. 
And I saw that knockdown by Tony, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, he's actually going to win. Yeah. I was very excited. But moving on, though, um, you know, Bobby won. So now I'm officially 10-4 in my picks. That's putting me at a mean 71.4% accuracy for my wins. However, today we're moving on to UFC 294, which is coming up on October 21st down in Abu Dhabi. And today we're going to dissect my five favorite fights of the card, which is actually just the main card, because this is filled to the brim with bangers. Okay, we have Saeed Nurmagomedov. He's coming back. We have Ikram Alskarov fighting Johnny Walker. He's just, mm-hmm. oh, oh, my God. I'm excited for the Johnny See, Walker fight. That man is just a circus of a fighter. This, I love this, him, man. I love him. We'll get more into that. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll don't get, worry. We'll we're going to talk that. about that. We'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, he's taking on number two ranked Magomed Ankalaev. And then with the co-main, we were going to have the biggest chat in the UFC, Paulo Costa. Yeah. And we are going to talk about that more. I promise you that. But instead, mm-hmm. we were having that Nigerian nightmare finally making his return but at middleweight at against Hamzat Shemaev. That is a scary, it's terrifying. Dude, I am ready for that fight. I'm very excited. But I have that. an interesting opinion on it. Yeah? And oh. I, I don't know how you're going to feel, but you know, I, I'm pretty strong about it. Yeah, you know what? Let's, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. And then our headliner, it's also going to be pretty fun. We have Islam Makachev defending the belt against Alexander Volkanovsky in their rematch at lightweight. Bangers. Even bangers. I was obviously Charles was supposed to fight due to an eye injury. He yes. Out, and we are going to talk. About I that. was looking so forward to that Charles fight. Mm-hmm. The small time in between Volkanovsky accepting the rematch and him dropping out, mm-hmm. I was very sad because I thought we were about to get another Bobby Green situation where Bobby Green would step in and fight Islam. Not, see, not Bobby Green in the title fight, but oh, of course, in the of same course. situation, of course. You see. But then Volk coming in. I think this is a way better fight, even due to the circumstances. See, I – we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get we'll, there. We'll, we'll, we'll start get there. off at the beginning. But, okay, so for everyone who doesn't know uh, what's really happened with this event, let me fill you in. These last two weeks have been chaos, okay? On mm-hmm. October 10th, Charles Oliveira, he had to pull out of the main event. And according to Dana White, Charles was in the fifth round of sparring, his last sparring practice before heading over to Abu Dhabi, and he gets a nasty cut over his eyebrow. It required nine stitches. And Oliveira, he knew that that, like, the stitches, they're not going to hold up, especially facing someone like Islam, you know? Um, Drowned him. Yes, yes. Easy doctor stoppage within the first round. And so he had to pull out. Yes. Oh, I see you uh, making that see, face of it. See, see that, yes. that's, where I'm, yes. that's where I'm like, no. I yes. think if it was a doctor stoppage, it would be third or fourth. But considering that so, last fight, Oliveira didn't make it there. See, I don't he, know. He only made I, it to the uh, second. So I feel like it could have been. I think Oliveira is way better than he was. Oh, of course. And that's course. saying a lot considering he was a dominant champion for the time he was champion. Yes, of course. So, but I do feel like he's coming back with a vengeance. And yeah. I feel like, but did you see that cut though? That cut was, ooh. It was tough. Ooh. It was pretty tough. Yeah, he he did made the right decision yes, for sure. Definitely. But. I mean, those stitches would have opened right back up. I mean, it wouldn't have taken much. Um, you know, someone with pillow fists, Ben Askren could have opened that eyebrow. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyways, so he pulls out, and then Alexander Volkanovsky fills in. Now, I mean, we're gonna talk about this later, but I genuinely feel like right fight, wrong time. I so genuinely do. See, I'm, I'm getting that feeling too. Uh-huh. But 
there's a small feeling oh. that I'm feeling right now that Volkanovski yeah. is going to do something that we never expected. Dude, I am time. expecting a five-round fight, and I'm mm. expecting a decision going to Volk. You see, every time that I talk down on Volk and every time <laughs> every that I say, time. every time I have doubts about Volk, every time he shuts me up in the most embarrassing now, fashion. The thing with it being Islam again is, personally, I thought Volk beat Islam the first time, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of controversy with that. Mm-hmm. And a majority of the world, I'd say, believed it too. Yeah. And there was a small amount of people that said Islam took that. It, it's one of the big, I'd say, with this title fight that just happened earlier this year, the Volk versus Islam one. Yeah. That is one of the hardest fights in UFC history to call. One of them. Of course. But, let's see, personally, Volk won 3 2. But I mean, I, yeah. I've argued with other people saying otherwise. So. Yeah. I mean, that's just one of those fights. It's so easy to play devil's advocate there and to say, yeah. like, oh, Islam won. And then you can point out all these reasons of why he did. And then you can also flip it and to say, well, at the same time, Volk did this. It was that even of a fight. that Incredible fight. Yeah, it it was one of the greatest fights of all time. Yeah, and thankfully we get to see part two. Now, I am going to go into Volk a little bit later. I am going to... I need to, okay, because I'm still a little upset. However, um, now we're going to move on to the co-main on the drama that happened there. So literally the very next day after that whole fiasco, October 11th, that afternoon, Paulo Costa, he had to be pulled out because the doctors wouldn't let him fight. So he had an elbow surgery five weeks before. It got infected. He had a staph infection. It required a second surgery. And as soon as those rumors started and saying, oh, typical Paulo's going to pull out, you know, we had all these rumors. Okay, we had people like Jared Canyonier. Jared Canyonier. And honestly... You know, before I really put together Kamaru, I figured, okay, that's it's not terrible. It's not what I want. Decent matchup, but it's not easy what I want. mauling, I think. Yeah, it's not what I want, but I mean, props to Jared. <laughs> I don't but know about I don't, mauling, but definitely a mauling. Yeah, props I think to that's Jared, worse than Kamaru. he's not going to. Yeah. I think it's worse than Kamaru. But then, Kamaru Usman deciding to make his debut at middleweight. For Man. the chance to fight the current champion, mm-hmm. Sean Strickland, which mm-hmm. we don't need to get into and, detail oh, about oh, Sean Strickland. Oh, we're going to get into detail gonna... about this championship, though. Oh, my goodness. I'm so, excited. Yeah, yeah. This is a great episode to have you on, Preston. This is incredible. So, Glad to be here. But, yeah, very thankful that you're here. Now, for all the new listeners, and even just for Preston, I'm just going to break this down on what we're doing here today. Um, so we're going to dissect... The five fights on the main card. And, you know, we're going to dissect them. I'm going to make my predictions. I'm also going to give you some gambling advice about each one. And then I'm going to make a parlay of all my picks. You know, I'm not like the other guys. I will actually put my money on this. Okay. And you know what? I've got a little bit of a rant for later about the money that I've been losing because of this episode. (laughs) However, I'm going to put my money on it. And this week is the week that I win my money back. Okay. Now. For the odds that I'm using here, I'm going through Caesars Sportsbook. Okay, this is used by many big media outlets. However, all odds are subject to change and not all sportsbooks have the same odds. Without further ado, let's get started. So, for the first fight on the main card, we have Saeed Nurmagomedov at 17-3, taking on Nguyen Gafarov at 18-5. This fight's at bantamweight. So, we've got a fun fight to analyze here. So, Saeed, he's dangerous. He's a flashy striker. Um, he utilizes his length 
He keeps his range just exceptionally well, and mm-hmm. he can throw some lethal kicks to the head. Like, you know, he can be pretty close to you, just a few feet in front of you, and he's still going to send them at your face, and I just love to see that. Um, you know, he's always keeping fighters on their toes. The takedown re- like the takedown defense is pretty solid, you know, 65% according to his UFC webpage. And on the topic of takedowns, for those who just see the last name Nurmagomedov, mm-hmm. let me fill you in. This man is not a typical Nurmagomedov. You hear that last name and you just expect him to be a wrestler, you know, ground and pound. But this man, he is a striker, okay? He can put your lights out pretty quick. Now, he's coming off a questionable loss to Jonathan Martinez. And in that fight, he landed more strikes and he did have three takedowns. Now, moving on to the opponent, we have Muin Gavarov. He's a pretty good wrestler, but, you know, he's still pretty good on the feet. Uh, he's going to go blow for blow with anyone, and then he's going to start to wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know, he has really good skills everywhere, decent power in his hands, and an incredible fighting pace. However, he does tend to get sucked into brawls, and, you know, he will lose control of the situation pretty easily. He's going to start throwing these wild punches, and then after that, it becomes a 50-50 fight, no matter who was beating up who at any point. So in these situations, normally he's going to either drop someone or he's going to get dropped. Uh, Muin, he's coming off of a loss on a short notice fight, but in that fight, he was throwing heavy. You know, he yeah. took a lot of damage. Uh, he just couldn't put it together. Uh, you know, he couldn't put his opponent together. Yeah. Now, Preston. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this fight? So, this is one of those fights where it doesn't sound like there's that big of names that are fighting, but mm-hmm. they do have matter to them. Uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov, obviously Nurmagomedov. You know, of he's going to be... Pretty hectic when fighting. I have a surprising pick for this. Who you got? I, at first, I had Saeed, of course, but I am taking Gafarov. Okay. By decision. By decision. Nothing crazy. But what I've seen from both, they're both coming off a decision loss. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Saeed's was a little controversial, but it wasn't super controversial. You can make an argument for both of them to win. Um, him fighting uh, Muin, fighting yeah. John Castaneda last time out, uh, he did lose that, I'd say. Yeah. But what we've seen before then, that was his debut in the UFC. The fights before, he was fighting for championships with the LFA and winning by TKO and KO. While LFA isn't really a big you know, yeah. promotion, Yeah, it does have a lot of people that do come from it and do have success. I think that he can... With his BJJ background and Sambo background, he could definitely cause some trouble to Saeed on the ground with the oh, BJJ. Of course. of course. So Nurmagomedov, he's probably going to want to keep it standing, and I feel like power-wise, Muin's got him. You see, this fight, like the odds on this one say that it's not going to be a close fight, but I highly disagree. So my heart is telling me to take Muin, okay? You know, this guy's a monster. However, he can easily be picked apart, and mm-hmm. that's why my brain is telling me to take Saeed. You see, Muin, he is definitely the superior wrestler, okay? The thing is, I don't trust him to wrestle, okay? I feel this like guy, I feel like if he does wrestle, though, he'll be... Oh, yeah, if he he'll, wrestles, he'll he wins. He'll do good. If he I, wrestles, he I, wins. No, no, no. Who, Saeed or... Oh, Muin. Muin wins? Yes. Wrestling? Yes. Wrestling, no. Grappling? Yes. Oh, grappling? No, yeah. wrestling, wrestling? No. Uh, Nurmagomedov's... I, you can't beat him at wrestling. 
I'm not sure. No. I'm there's not no sure way. about that. There's man. no way. I, I don't think Saeed will lose a wrestling match. I think if Muin can get top mount and do some BJJ work, I mean, yeah, he just has to use there. his strength and keep him down. If he can't keep him down, I feel like he will throw the fight and Nurmagomedov will get it. But either way, I'm seeing a decision on this, and I'm leaning towards Muin at the moment. See, right now I'm leaning towards Saeed just because the fight IQ for Muin, it's not really there. And I understand know? that too, um, but I feel like he's definitely going to learn from his last fight, and he's definitely going to be better. He was a championship in another promotion, and I'm sure that him being brought into the UFC, he's having that same mindset. After that first fight, knowing that he can't just do what he did in LFA, he's definitely going to step it up, and I can see an upset getting pulled here. You see, I don't know. I do feel like he might just fall back into old habits and just make this a brawl, and yeah. if he does that, Saeed wins this. I can if see that, If this too. becomes a brawl, Saeed the, wins. This is not that talked about of a matchup, but it is no. a very tricky matchup. It is. It really and is. I'm, and, you know, I completely see where you're coming from with Muin because just as I said earlier, like, my heart is saying take Muin, but my head is going with Saeed. And, you know, looking at Caesar Sportsbook, Saeed, he's the minus 210 favorite. Yeah. And that's a closer fight. That should easily be a closer fight. I should see, if anything, Saeed at, like, minus 150. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Minus too. 150 I feel to like maybe a plus 130. I feel like, like putting your money down on Muin is a decent risk. Yes. Definitely a decent risk. Um, don't be upset if you lose, obviously. You know, there's oh, a chance you yeah, lose. But yeah. speaking of the circumstances of him coming into this fight, I feel like he can do it and you could win some good money. Yes. This is, if we have a trap fight on this main event, this is our trap fight. Yeah. Guaranteed. Now... I'm still going to go with Saeed. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. But at the same time, I definitely see where you're coming from, and I'm very nervous to watch this fight. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. But I'm nervous because I got money. This is a great main card. Yes, let's this is incredible. Just, let's just, let's just that out the gate. This. this is incredible. This okay? is a great card. This is great. So I'm going to go with Saeed Nurmagomedov at minus 210 money line. You know, in the words of Meek Mill, scared money don't make no money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to make my money back. I'm trying to get my lick back. So, moving on to the second fight, Ooh. we got Ikram Alaskarov at 14-1 and one coming in against Warley Alves at 14-6. and six. Now, I will say, Warley, he is a replacement fighter. Replacement fighter, of course, because yes. he was supposed to fight... Uh, Nasruddin. Yes, he was supposed yep. to fight Nasruddin, but previously, Ikram was rescheduled onto this card because on the last pay-per-view, yeah. which was Strickland and Adesanya, right? Yep. Ikram was uh, supposed to... Yeah. Yeah, it was right. that one. Right. Ikram was supposed to be fighting Paulo Costa, which ended up pulling out of this fight yeah. with Hamzat also. Yeah. This fight, Ikram and Worley, mm-hmm. I'd say easiest thing. Very, very. I, I have yes. Ikram by KO, TKO. Yes. In first or yes. second round. So, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to take a look at just each fighter real quick, just like looking at what they're yeah. good at and all that. And then we're going to go ahead and get in there. Yeah. Quick okay. little... Quick little backstory. Ikram, the reason he is mainly in the UFC is Hamzat Chemaev, and we will talk more about Hamzat Chemaev later on. Um, Hamzat Chemaev and Ikram previously had a fight in another promotion. I can't name off the top of my head what that promotion is, mm. but Hamzat put him to sleep with a, stri- a right straight, I think. Yeah. Just put him to sleep, folded him. They have been setting up this rematch for the longest time now, just trying to make Ikram get into the top five middleweight 
or top five wherever in order for him to fight him. Yeah. He's definitely got the star status, but not – he. how do I say this? He's not the most entertaining, like – He's not fight Fight-wise, he's great. Yeah. Talking and talking to media, other things, he is not yes. very – he's definitely very under the radar. He is terrible on a microphone. However, put him in an octagon and yeah. he's pretty dang good. And so – Warley's last fight, Warley, Warley Alves, Alves, he's been in the UFC for quite a bit now. So yeah. this is definitely a layup fight for him. He's currently 15 yeah. and 6. His last fight was a split decision on the Teixeira Hill card to Nicholas Dalby. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he lost it, and he did lose it, yeah. which is good. I'm glad that the judges didn't mess up on that one. Yeah, leave it to judges. Um, his last fight before that was Jeremiah Wells, which he lost by TKO-KO. If Jeremiah Wells can put you out, what do you think Ikram's going to do to you? That's all Murder. I have to say about this. Murder. I have Ikram, I'm going to say first round KO. I'm okay. definitely going to say first, if, first round KO. If not early second round KO. Okay. So for those of you who don't know the fighters like that, uh, I'll just give you a quick little breakdown here. So Ikram Askarov, he is a Russian wrestler and – he loves doing your typical UFC Russian wrestling yeah. kind of stuff. You know, he loves to get on top of you, maintain constant pressure, okay, a lot of body locks, uh, shoots a lot of takedowns, and he's also very, very difficult to get off you once he's on top. He's got some pretty good striking, as Preston was just saying. Yeah. He's got good striking. Um, you know, he's got these long kicks. He's going to throw flying knees on occasion. He, he's a Sambo fighter, so this is definitely going to be – he's going to have an advantage on certain – aspects of the fight um another thing that we have to look at warley alves is coming up from welterweight he to is fight ikram yes i feel like he's if he can't succeed at welterweight going up and fighting bigger people is not the greatest option well also talking about warley here um i'll just give you a quick little brief uh breakdown of him and so basically Worley, he has a black belt in BJJ. He loves to strike. Uh, he's going to throw wild punches. He's going to try and take you down. His takedowns, not that great. However, the BJJ is very good, very aggressive. Um, on his feet, he's all right, but he just loves to headhunt. Um, and also, his gas tank is not that mm, great. Yeah. Okay. And look, he's a replacement fighter, as we just mentioned. Okay. With him on a full camp, he normally gasses out pretty early. Full camp. Yes. What do you think a short camp is going to do? I think a short camp is going to be deadly. I think it's going to be, yes. Cause Not literally death. deadly, of course. I mean, yeah, of course. He's going to make it out of the octagon. He, his, he's going to be 15 and 7 by the end of this. Yes. This weekend's not going to go great for him. Yes. And I can say that pretty confidently going up against Ikram Alaskarov. Yes, I fully agree. Um, looking at the betting line, he's a, Ikram is a minus 600 favorite on Caesars. And on ESPN, he is also. So that is a. Yeah. You want an easy parlay win? Go yes. Ikram. Yes. If you you're trying easy. to get the easy parlay, if, you know, you're Just trying to. Boost. If you're trying to show your friends, hey, look, I'm good at betting. <laughs> this is the fight <laughs> yeah, to this bet This is on. one of those easy ones. Yes. And we definitely could be eating our words here and we could see the most wild upset. You see, that's why I love the UFC, though. That's why I love the UFC, but. 
I just can't see it. I am 100% certain that Ikram will put him out. Yes, I have the college tuition on Ikram, so <laughs> we'll see what happens next semester. Moving on, we have the second-ranked oh, yeah. light heavyweight, Magomed Ankalaev, coming at 18-1-1, one one, taking on number seven-ranked Johnny Walker at 21-7. So, Magomed, he's a very long kickboxer who uses the range extremely well. His kicks are extremely effective. Um, he has a lot of power in both his hands, even his feet, and he's a very versatile attacker. His striking defense is usually pretty uh, pretty reliable. However, when the striking volume isn't the best, and that's a lot of the time, mm-hmm. he can use his wrestling as a secondary method of attack. And according to ESPN, he averages about one takedown per 15 minutes of a fight. His one singular loss was a last-second submission against Paul Craig mm-hmm. in his UFC debut. Um, he's coming off of a draw against Jan Bukovic, and he so genuinely won that. You know, I can agree with you. He won it that. was a very close fight, and Jan yes. Belovic was definitely tearing those legs. Oh, yeah. He was shredding I, those legs. If there was an... See, see. That's a, that was a difficult fight because that ended in a draw, and everybody, even Jan, said that Magomed probably should have won that yeah. night. Mm-hmm. But I can still see reasons for Jan winning that fight. I do yes. think that, obviously, I think Magomed should be the champion at the moment. Yeah. Um, Agreed. That it kind of that kind of ruined the lightweight division even more than it already was because yeah. obviously having one of the greatest light heavyweight title fights of all time, Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira. Mm-hmm. Um, Yuri Prohaska winning that by last thirty second submission, which was fantastic, incredible fight. Especially since Glover was supposed to win that, but yeah. we can go into that another time. Yeah, that's um, that's a talk for another day. Then after that, Yuri. Vacating the belt due to an injury, having Magomed and Jan fight for the title. It being a draw, they set up an immediate fight with Glover to Sharon Jamal Hill, which has Jamal Hill winning that. Mm-hmm. They have been camping on certain fighters fighting for that belt, such as, um, you know, I'm trying to think of what the name is. Let's see, we got Yuri going on. We got oh, Alex yes, Pereira. Alex Pereira coming up, mm-hmm. yes. Um, they're going to be having that fight up next. Yeah. And I feel like Magomed Ankalaev was definitely getting snubbed. Yes. By oh, the of UFC, course. Of course. Which is horrible. Um, and I feel like he should be the champion, but I don't know how long he can hold on to that belt. And I, mean, I think what I've noticed in his fights is he, when it does come to the wrestling, he's obviously him and Johnny Walker are both strikers, but when it comes to the wrestling, he gets a little too overzealous, yeah. which is what led to Paul Craig submitting him the last second. And seeing that happen, I know that was his UFC debut and he's a lot better than he tapped very fast, which is what I'm worried about. I feel like cardio um, will really affect it going into the late third round because while Johnny Walker may be a little, how do I say, una- not inaccurate, but a little wild sometimes. Oh, he's fun. He could. Definitely put Magomedov out. Yes, and that's going to transition Magomedov. us greatly. Ankalaev, not Magomedov. No, no, I yeah, get yeah, that. You're yeah. good, you you're good, no worries. And um, that just takes us beautifully into Johnny Walker. So Johnny Walker, he's a big athletic guy. This dude is 6'6". Six, six. He's strong, he's fast, he's powerful, and just like Preston was saying earlier, he is wild. Very. This man is fun to watch. Okay. He, he injured himself on a celebration after winning his fight. 
Yes. He, he threw his shoulder out doing the worm. So, I mean, he, my he's type pretty, of fighter. Yeah, great. I yes. love him. He's great on the mic. Great. He's hilarious. He's just a fun guy. And only thinking about it, he's coming up in the rankings right now on a second wind of his career. Yep. Him being 21 and 7 at the moment. Um, those losses that he had, most of them were to very high level skilled people. Um, Jamal Hill knocking him out, which that was a sad day for me, but you know, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Johnny Walker could 100% win this fight at the moment. I have a decision for Magomed, but it's definitely my closest fight on the card besides the main event. Um, so I still do kind of want to take another look at Johnny just because this guy, he has so much yeah. that you can break down. You know, he's such a creative striker too. You know, he's extremely unorthodox. You know, he's going to do some crazy stuff to you. And, you know, he's going to be, um, you know, spinning at you, jumping around. And the thing is, all these strikes have legitimate power that can put you to sleep. Uh, he's coming off of a pretty big win against Anthony Smith. And in that fight, he destroyed Anthony's legs in the first round and then uh, just kept up the cardio, won by decision. Now, I firmly believe that Magomed is the best light heavyweight on the planet. And... <sighs> Johnny, yeah. No. Who you got then? Yuri, at the moment. Yuri Prohaska. And I, I feel Ankalaev like we're going to see that against Alex Pereira. I feel like we're going to see Ankalaev versus Yuri. I don't see that happening. I see it happening. Well, look, I see that fight happening, but I don't see Magomedov winning that. I see him winning it. Really? I do. Really? I see I him. think striking-wise, Yuri pieces him up pretty badly. You and know, that's that's interesting because Yuri was definitely taking some damage versus Glover, and Glover's not known for a striker. But what we've seen from Yuri Prohaska, striking-wise, and being able to defend those takedowns and even get submissions against Glover Teixeira, which happens to be one of the best BJJ people of the UFC history, of all of it, I, I think Yuri is going to be a champion for quite a bit. You see, before he can take off Yuri, though, he's still got to take out Johnny. So with this fight, though, I do think it's going to be really close. And I feel like for Johnny to win this fight, you know the old saying. Yeah. You don't brawl a brawler and you don't box a boxer. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to have to brawl the boxer and box the brawler. Okay. He is going to have to make this his own fight. He's going to have to, you know, dirty the waters here. He's going to have to keep Magomed on his feet. And, you know, just like you were saying, this is a very close fight. This yeah. is a very, very close fight. I think fight. in order for Johnny Walker to win, the, I, I don't see any of them putting either one of them to sleep, like, at all. I think it goes into a decision. But if Johnny Walker wants to win this fight, he's got to use his reach. He's yes. got to use the range and mm -hmm. pick him apart. Because... Johnny Walker is a 6'6 kickboxer versus Magomed being a 6'3 kickboxer, both at light heavyweight. Yeah. I've seen movement-wise Johnny Walker be a lot more fluid with his movement, and I feel like that could play a difference. Also, the conditioning for Magomedov's legs, because at his last time out, Jan Belhovich messed up those legs bad. Yes. Very, very, very Shredded bad. them. So... He's got to bring his conditioning up for that. I feel like Johnny Walker is going to definitely take advantage of that. He does. And Dana White also announced that the winner of this fight gets a title shot against the winner of Yuri and Alex. Oh, of course. And yes. 
Um, you know, we will talk about that at a later date, I promise. However, we got to focus on the fight at the moment. Caesar Sportsbook right now has Magomed coming in at a minus three fifty favorite, which I see. That is, I think it's a little generous. That's blasphemy to me. That's I think absolutely. I think he's a little generous. Extremely generous. I'd say Magomed comes in at a minus one eighty. One seventy five for yeah. sure. Yeah, I can see. I'd one, even see a one sixty. I I think it's a closer fight than a lot see, of people are saying. I see one sixty five at the floor, but I mean I don't see it dropping below one sixty five. But I mean it's close. It's yeah, a course. much closer fight, but, you know, people in Vegas got to make their money. However, saying that, I think Magomed wins this. I think he does, but it's going to be a really close fight. It's going to be a I close fight. Agree. This definitely goes to a decision. I really don't see either guy putting anyone to sleep. I got it so far. It's, it's probably going to change getting close to the fight, even though we yeah. are only a couple days away. I have Magomed. Uh, Magomed I keep saying Magomed. Uh, I don't know why. Magomed, I have him winning a 29-28 decision. I can see that. Yeah. But that, that don't count out Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker is a decent pick for your yes. parlays. And if you lose, you lose. If you win, you win. I feel like it is a decent risk. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly not a bad idea. But um, for the sake of my parlay, I am going to ride with Magomed yeah. at minus 350. And we are going to talk about the betting aspect of it a little bit later. Um there is a little bit of drama with my sports book right now, which I'm hoping to have cleared up by Saturday. However, we'll get there. Now, moving on to the co-main event. We have the number one welterweight contender, Kamaru Usman, who is 20-3, taking on the number four-ranked middleweight, Hamzat Chemaev, at 12-0. Now, Preston can vouch for me here, okay? I was very upset when... My favorite chat, Paulo Costa had to yeah, pull out. I, I was very upset. This man was on the receiving end of a very long, strongly worded text. Yeah. I, was, I was not happy. It was, yeah. I was I, not I happy. wasn't too happy until, you know, what happened yes. happened. And then, you know, Kamar Usman, he came in. And honestly, looking back, this is the much better fight. This is a much better fight. Okay, Let's dissect this a little bit. We have Kamaru Usman, who's coming back. And, you know, he is the cleaner, more technical fighter. Granted, he's coming off two back-to-back losses. However, those back-to-back battles are with the best fighter in the welterweight division, Leon Edwards. Now, granted, this is a this is an older Kamaru Usman that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Still an incredible matchup. Uncle Dana has announced that the winner of this fight will get a title shot at middleweight, which... I'm not entirely sure that I agree See, with it. That who who would have thought years ago, saying out loud that Hamza Chemaev and Kamaru Usman would be fighting for a chance to fight I Sean saw, Strickland? I saw that today. Who yes, because, who would have thought that? Because Sean was just barely breaking the top ten. Uh, Hamza had like two fights in his and career at that previous point. Previous when Sean yeah. Strickland was in welterweight, Kamaru already beat him. Yeah, and. Also, Chemaev being a former training partner of Sean Strickland, mm-hmm. Sean Strickland has openly admitted that he is the greatest. So, yes. While I admire Sean, you know what? We won't get into Sean Strickland. No, you know we'll, what? We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about these two, and I feel like you will be surprised at my opinion on this. Okay. All right. So, 
Tell you what, I'm just gonna hand it straight to you yeah, once I'm done breaking these guys down. All right. What? Hey, once I'm done breaking these guys oh, down, once I know. you're done, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I got you. I got you. Just give me one second. All right. Go ahead. Okay. So, Kamaru Usman, he's an established wrestler, and we have seen him improve his striking a lot in recent years. Okay, we've seen the power, just like when he slept Jorge Masvidal. Uh, we've seen the volume, just like in the Covington fights, and he's beaten everyone in the welterweight division, including Leon Edwards, who is currently the champ, obviously. And in his 17 UFC fights, according to his UFC webpage, he has 56 takedowns. And again, he's coming off those two back-to-back losses to Colby. However, he won 90% Leon. of that first fight. Not to Colby, to Leon. Thank you. Thank you. Got it. Thank yeah, you. We'll I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Sorry, I was thinking about Colby <laughs> Leon, man. I'm getting excited. Yeah, Anyways, so he was winning 90% of that fight against Leon until he got knocked out in the fifth. And then that second fight is a very close fight. Some people saw Kamaru winning that, but watching it back, I firmly believe that Leon won it. Mm -hmm. Um, However, Kamaru's getting older, and he has the knees of the Terminator, okay? That man's (sighs) knees are rough. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I know you saw that video today. Yes, I And we're going to talk about that. I I do have that situation all figured out, in my opinion on it. I... People are reaching, definitely reaching to it's, find anything wrong with Kamaru Usman. Yes. And, okay, getting into this fight, Kamaru Usman versus Hamzat Shemaev, my pick is Hamzat by second round submission. And that is scary considering that Kamaru Usman is a fantastic wrestler, him coming from here in Nebraska, uh, UNK. He... He's an unbelievable wrestler. He used his wrestling for most of his career to get his wins. And while his wrestling is great, also his striking, his power has built throughout the years. The big thing is his knees. And I know you've said that, but his knees will not hold up. If Leon can land the first takedown on him, what do you think Hamzat's going to do? Now, I do want to break that down. However, I'm also going to break down Hamzat here super quick. Now, Hamzat, he's a very polarizing guy. Uh, especially after that last fight where he came in seven pounds overweight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, flipped the whole card upside down. But, however, you also always hear about the work ethic. And you see the videos, you see the stuff coming out of camp. And, you know, you see him dominating in numerous fights. However, he tends to struggle against the guys who just do not care about the reputation or um, just about anything, really. I mean, insert Gilbert Burns, okay? Mm-hmm. I remember watching that fight with you. That was an incredible fight. Yeah, however... Uh, so Hamza, he's one of those guys where it just seems like he can take down whoever he wants, whenever he wants, and it also seems like no one's going to take him down. However, he's willing to strike. Okay, his striking, it's not very technical. However, still not bad. Okay, he's coming off that first-round submission over Kevin Holland when he was supposed to be fighting Nate Diaz, and again, he came in seven pounds overweight and pretty much almost ruined the whole card. Almost, yeah. Um, Hamza, he has a full camp. And if Kamaru had a full camp, I feel like Kamaru, I might have him winning this. However, however, oh, oh, just wait a second. Just wait a second. So the reason why I say that is Kamaru's cardio is just incredible, okay? He is easily the better striker in this fight. I mean, seriously, if Gilbert Burns is giving Hamzat Chimaev a three-piece and a soda on the feet, what do you think Kamaru could do? Now, also, 
This is the best wrestler that Hamzat's ever seen. He handled Colby's wrestling presser twice, and he's only been taken down once in his career, which was by Leon Edwards. And watching it back, you can see that Kamaru clearly just wasn't expecting Leon to shoot a takedown there. However, however, just like I said earlier, Usman, he's getting older. He's taking on a younger guy. It's on short notice. It's halfway across the globe. And there's not a whole lot aside from that in this scenario that's working for him, okay? I mean, you saw that clip today. You know, he is, uh, he's working on his grappling. Yeah. And, you know, he takes down, oh my gosh, I... Gaethje. Gaethje, yes. I'm sorry, Justin I was just Gaethje. thinking BMF. Nah, I was just you. thinking BMF. Yeah, BMF, Gaethje. that's all you need. Yeah, he took down the BMF of the UFC, and he immediately pops up and just goes, something popped, and then ends the workout early. And... You know, I feel like some people might be exaggerating this just because, I mean, yeah, like, dude, I've got a bad shoulder. It pops all the time. I can still yeah. move it, you know? But, like, still, you don't exactly know. You don't exactly know what happened there. But also, Kamal's just getting older. And Hamza's young. He has been working at this for a while. I realistically see Hamza winning this fight. 100%. And not 100%. I don't oh, see no, 100%. no, no. Not 100%. Due to the circumstances, it being 11 days notice, first off, him coming up to middleweight after, I'd say, I don't think it's Kamaru's prime anymore. I think oh, he's of course. No, he's out of his prime. I think he's well out of his prime at of this course. point. Yes. I feel like his prime ended when he got knocked out and he just couldn't put it back together. While he was putting it back together in the second fight with Leon, oh, yeah. he lost that fight. Fair and square. Leon beat yeah. him fair and square. And it was close, but it wasn't close at the same time. You see, I don't know. We act like this happened a long time ago. It didn't. It, it happened really a couple didn't. months ago. I know. And I know. That's but the thing I'm... is, I mean, we're not really giving him a whole lot of time. We're saying that it all fell apart. I mean, I mean yeah, some pieces okay. fell off. I will, I will take back okay. fell apart, falling yeah. apart. Okay. Currently okay. falling apart. I can apart. agree with that. I can agree with he, that. I don't think him being at middleweight, being at a bigger weight, and his knees already not holding up well in welterweight, I feel like with the added weight, it'll be a lot easier for him to get his movement down. And once Hamzat goes in for that Hirsch takedown, he's in for a long ride. See, I don't know, though. And I can 100% yeah. see it going to decision. I feel I like think, it'll most likely go to a decision. But I think it I, does. My heart and my mind is currently saying Hamzat is going to submit him. Or even TKO him. Which I that is TKO. crazy. The thing, the thing with Hamza, this is the thing. His last fight with Gilbert, or not his last fight, but his fight with Gilbert Burns was obviously his most tested. That was at welterweight. Um, Gilbert Burns being a former training partner. Actually, current training partner now, yeah. again, with yep. Kamaru. Um, I had, I know people say that Gilbert Burns should have won that fight. I saw Kamaru winning that 29-28. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time we've, I said Kamaru, I meant Hamzat. Yeah. That was the first time we have ever seen Hamzat struggle. And he struggled and came out on top. And I feel like with all of the training that he has had throughout, we're not even going to talk about the Kevin Holland fight because he yeah. didn't train for Kevin no, Holland. He, he did not. Ideas. He dominated Kevin Holland. He absolutely I mean, yeah. slaughtered him. Yeah. So I don't even count that. I go back to the Burns fight where he was standing toe-to-toe with one of the best welterweights in the world early in his career. Early in his UFC career, at least. Yeah. 
And even before the UFC, I'm pretty sure that he's fairly new to MMA. Yes. I think he picked this all up very quickly, and he's dominating. He is dominating. The only fight he didn't dominate was Gilbert Burns, and that's because he was the number three or four ranked welterweight at the time, while Hamzat being the 11, I think, 11th after mm. being Li Jing Liang. I think um, he might have been a little bit higher. One, he was 10 to 15 ranking. I don't know exactly yeah. where, but he was not fighting anybody of substance until Gilbert Burns. He came out on top in a fair and square way and dominated Kevin Holland. And I think that with the amount of training videos that we've seen, striking and grappling-wise, and overall just the status of his physique and you know how healthy he is, I think Kamaru will not stand a chance. See... I feel like if Kamaru had a full camp mm -hmm. and if he was actually able to prep for this, I, this would be a much closer fight. I 100% um, agree. I think that if Kamaru had a full yeah. camp, that Kamaru could 100% win this. It'll be a fairly good fight. And he still fight. can. And he still, he can. still can. He still, he still can, can. But it's not, it's not a great odds whatsoever. No. If you're going to be safe, put your money on Hamzat. Yes. And speaking of which, that's where my money is going to go, okay? Yeah. Hamzat is a minus 280 favorite. Uh, I feel like those odds might be a little bit inflated. Uh, I feel like, realistically, minus 220, minus 200 at the very bottom is probably a little bit more fair. However, I'm still going to take Hamzat here. You said the Caesar odds were what? Uh, uh, right now, through Caesar Sportsbook, Hamzat is a minus 280 favorite. On ESPN, he is a minus 340. He jumped. Which is unbelievable he, wow. I, I i am counting out kamaru hard in this fight wow. and i don't want to be because he's a great fighter but they are they're pushing it with a plus 265 kamaru and a minus 310 or 340 i mean hey we remember what happened last time kamaru was a you know plus 260 we remember what happened yeah. he got the belt but hey this is very different circumstances yeah. i'm just saying that i'm just playing devil's advocate yeah of course now Moving on to the main event. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is going to be a little bit controversial here. And I'm going to go on a rant here, okay? I'm going to get a little angry with this one. All right. This is a downgrade. <laughs> this is downgrade. Oh, my. So, okay, out of context makes me sound like I'm an idiot. However, let me explain myself. And you know what? Islam, props to Islam, Okay. I would do the exact same thing. Now, let's take a look at this. Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky won. Incredible fight. One of my favorite fights to watch live. Um, you know, right after that fight, it was a very controversial win for Islam. I personally thought that Volk won it. And immediately afterwards, Volk, he's saying, hey, I'm going to gun for the rematch. Okay, let's run it back. And I was ecstatic. Okay, however... These conditions for Volkanovsky are the worst conditions he could have ever taken it. First of all, you are taking this on a 10 days notice. And look, I get it. I get it. Okay. This is the fight that every fight fan wants. However, you are shooting your legacy in the foot for a bag and some brownie points. Volkanovsky is a fool for taking this fight. He is a fool. <laughs> Everyone is glazing him for stepping up, which look, it's respectable. Okay, you're stepping up on 10 days notice. You're taking the money fight. 
you're taking a great fight that you arguably won. However, you are a 35-year-old champion with an upcoming title fight in eight weeks. Why are you doing this? I know the whole narrative, you know, oh, you're standing up for yourself. You're getting revenge. He said in the presser today, oh, if it was, you know, different situations, you wouldn't do this. Yeah, because they're smart. They're smart. You are not going to get this chance again, okay? If you are Volk in this situation, you're gunning for GOAT status. You cannot take these fights. You cannot be doing side quests, okay? You're not only throwing yourself at someone who's already beaten you, but this other person has a full camp. You have 10 days. You've been admittedly sitting on the couch, resting, only lifting weights. And look, I get wanting to do the rematch because look, I want to see it too. However, this is not the time to take it. Have your fight at 297 and then do it. Okay. You cannot be 35 years old doing this as a long reigning champion. You're not young anymore. Okay. And don't you think that you owe Islam the respect of a full camp? Sorry. Well, sorry. I'm, I, I, can, I am fed up. I understand. I can agree with some points. I feel like this was right fight, wrong time. But I'm still getting that feeling that Folk is going to surprise. And I feel like he might win it. And this is like this. Okay. Let me, let me, let me get into this really quick. So basically, I was watching live Islam and Volk won um, the first fight. I strongly believed Volkanovsky would take it, and I was shocked when Islam won. Um, I just, I know that this is going to be a harder fight for Volk. I am 100% in agreement with you that this, it, he's a fool for taking this fight. But if anybody, anybody in the roster is going to pull this, this, if anybody's going to pull this off, it's Volk. Let's just be quite frank there. Volk is the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world for a reason. Even after losing to Islam by a horrible decision, in my opinion. Um, The first fight is, in my opinion, in my top five for greatest fights of all time. Um, UFC-wise, of course. Um, And I just, I don't see... I don't see how anything's going to change, except for the winner. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that Islam's going to come out, try to strike more, because he was getting the better of Volk in the striking. But, see, talking about this, I'm thinking more, because this is, this is definitely the hardest matchup of the night, oh, and it should be the easiest under the circumstances. It under, definitely yes, should be. Under these circumstances, Vulcan, it should be so easy. But this is Volkanovsky. It's Volkanovsky. We can't count. That's why Volkanovsky at this point is the John Jones of this era. And that is saying, Ooh. that is crazy. Ooh. That is crazy of me to say, but that is a fact. He is dominant. He has never lost except to Islam. Except to Islam. That is it. I just, I don't see any other outcome. Well, see, I keep eating my own words. I keep I talking. I'm eating my own words. This is this is a tough fight. Mind says Islam, heart says Volk. That is the main thing. Volkanovski 100% can win this. I feel like out of the two people that stepped in on 11 days notice, Volk is miles ahead of Kamaru in their matchups. And I think, while I think Kamaru is going to get dominated, I think this is going to be an exact 
replay of the last fight with Islam and Volk with a different outcome. And that is just me. That is just me, you know, hoping, of course. But Volk... Islam is one of the greatest fighters in the whole entire UFC at the moment. Yes. He is the new Khabib. If not, he's better than Khabib. I think he's better. I think he's better than Khabib. I think Khabib. he's better. Based on, you know, the skill back then is different than the skill now. Oh, There's course. definitely a lot more you can do, and I think that Islam has took advantage of that. Yeah. And the only issue I have with Islam winning is, holy, would it be so much more entertaining if Volkanovski was the double champ. I want to see him face those lightweight fighters. I think that after, if if Volkanovski wins this fight, Charles is obviously up next. Charles versus Volk is an easier fight for Volk, obviously. Yeah. And I can see Alexander Volkanovski finishing him by TKO, ground and pound, in the third or fourth, if they fought. And I feel like this is the this is the GOAT status fight for Volk. If he can pull this off, I don't see any argument for comparing him to John Jones legacy-wise. Okay. I think if See, he pulls this off, he has a greater legacy than John Jones. Until November. Well. Until November. Well, of course until November, but Stipe, come on. Stipe's like a 40-year-old fart. I don't know why we're still talking about him. <laughs> Uh, hey, you know what? Nagano knocked his brain out of his head. I hey, don't man, see. Hey, John Jones is about to squeeze the brain out of his head. Yeah, right? John Jones is getting the first round submission, but we can talk about uh, that uh, a different day. I promise we will. Oh, yeah. But no. Um, you know, looking at the betting odds for this, Caesars has Islam at a minus 340 favorite. And, you know, part of me says jack it to 450. Part of me says. Drop it to plus. Jacket the fourth fifty is probably the craziest thing I've heard you say about this fight. Oh no, that was Part, un- that, hang, that, on, that was hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You did not let me finish. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Part of me says jacket to four fifty. The other part of me is saying drop it to one seventy. What? Because look, if anyone wins this fight, if anyone is the guy to be able to come in. On 10 days' notice, having to cut 27 pounds in 10 days, you know, make that flight, get ready after being that rested, and still win, it's going to be Volkanovski. It's Volkanovski. Volk is the only guy who can do that. However, you know, he had a full camp last time, and he still lost when, you know, he should have won. However, he, on the record book, he did lose. And it was a very close fight. Very. But this guy, Islam, you know, he's... He's had a whole camp, you know? He's had a full camp, and he's honestly, this might be the easier fight for him. You know? I think it's about the same. I mean, about the same. Circumstance-wise, I feel like a full, this is going to be one of the most craziest takes, and you're going to be like, what the hell? No. (laughs) Um, I feel like full camp Charles Oliveira has less of a chance than 11-day Volk. That is utter tomfoolery. I know, right? But I see where you're coming from. I see where you're Overall, coming from. Overall, the more well-rounded, I still can't co-sign that. the more well-rounded fighter, obviously being Volkanovski, he has a better chin than Charles by a mile. Yes, by a mile. I mean, every yeah. fight while Charles was dominating his title fights and winning by finishes, mm-hmm. 
and he he took damage and got dropped yeah. well over five to six times throughout all those fights. Of course. In the first round. Yeah. They're this is the early. thing with Charles Oliveira. If he's in a fight, he's getting overwhelmed until he doesn't. That's true. Dustin Poirier overwhelmed him first round. Probably won 10-8, I'd say, first round. Which is scary. I don't know about 10. It was a... It was, it's close. It's, I'll give you Dustin won fairly easily that first round. Second, okay. got a lot closer, you know. Still took some damage both ways. Yeah. Third, that's when he... That's when Charles just had enough and yeah. said, bye, Dustin. <laughs> and I feel like this fight is setting up for a great UFC era coming up. Double champ bulk. If this is pulled if, off, will be one of the greatest. If this pulls, yes. If he pulls it. If. Now, again, Islam is the minus 340 favorite. I am going to end up taking that money line just because I'm going to follow my mind here. I mean, I know that you guys heard that rant earlier yeah. about why Volk is a fool. He's a fool. He might be the Drake of the <laughs> UFC with how much of a cornball he is saying, like, oh, I'm doing this for me. However. Okay, the Drake of the UFC is definitely is real out of Sonya. Yeah, you got me there. You got me there. But it's close. It's close. They're both for all the dogs, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we don't got to get into all that. We don't got to get into all that. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but still, still, though, I love Volk. Mm-hmm. I do want to see the best for Volk. I'm still gonna take Islam to win this though. However, I, I can agree with you. Money, money line wise, money line wise, smarter yes, to put it on Islam it's here. Smarter money to put it on Islam. However, if there's gonna be any upset on here, it's gonna be that one. It's gonna be Volk, and Volk is the one guy who's gonna make me eat my words. He always does it, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm a little nervous. Now, moving on to the parlay that we have here. Okay, guys, honestly, I feel like I'm spitting game, okay, when I make these parlays, because right now I am 0 for 3, okay? (laughs) Currently, I am down $3 on this, and yeah, I'm a little salty, okay? I'm a broke college student, okay? When I was writing my weekly budget this week, I literally put missing parlays into my weekly budget. (laughs) This is how bad it is, and this week, you know, I have a built-in excuse. I have Preston here. I'm kidding, of course. That's crazy. But anyways, anyways, let's see what we got cooking this week, <laughs> all right? So taking a look at the Caesars odds for those who are able to use that sports book, we're going to start with that one, and then we're going to move over to Fliff. Now, Fliff, we do have a little bit of drama. They don't have the Kamal Usman odds up quite yet, so I can't give you the official odds there. But I will keep you guys updated. Um, I'll break it down in the next episode, and I'm also going to put a bet on that. It just might be Saeed, Ikram, Magomed, and Islam on Fliff. But I'll break that down for you. Anyways, anyways, breaking it down on Caesars. So I'm going to be taking Saeed Nurmagomedov at minus 210. Um, and then I've got Ikram Alskarov at minus 600. Magomed Ankalaev at minus 350. Hamza Chmaev at minus 280. And then Islam Makhshev as our minus 340 favorite. Um, my $1 bet... It's going to be a five-leg parlay, and it's going to spit me back $4.16. Just butting in really quick with that whole flip situation. 
Breaking news, the odds for Hamzat and Kamaru are now out on Fliff, so we can check those out. The yeah. current odds for Fliff are, you're going to be very surprised, minus 340 for Hamzat. Minus 340? Minus 340 plus My- 230 for Kamaru. Wow. Yeah. That is kind of crazy to me. Okay. Well, you know what? I will play this, this parlay live. There, I think for base my witness. But, yeah, so... Okay, let's take a look. Uh, I'm also going to analyze the changes that we have. So, starting off with Saeed, he is a now minus 250 favorite on Fliff. Um, Ikram soars up to minus 790. 790 is insanity. Which is, it's sad because that being the highest one, it's still the most understandable for me. I mean, I get it, but still 790, that's... 790 is definitely high, but... Kind of high, I'm not going to lie. And then... Let's see, Magomed, he becomes a minus 405 favorite. Um, Islam actually drops down to 270. He, oh, yep, 275 for me. You know what? I understand that. I feel like that's a little bit more fair than the previous. These fliff odds are. See, I kind of see it, though. I see it. And then we're also going to be riding with Hamzat Chemaev, who is now a, like we said, minus 340 favorite. So, again, we're going to put $1 down. Um, this is going to spit me back $3.47 on Fliff. I have Preston here as my witness. Let me see this. And Perfect. Yep. Pick Got submitted. On. Hopefully, I'll be up on the week after that. Now, for our final segment here, a tradition around here. We've got some UFC news. Sorry. One more thing with the Fliff thing. I'm just going to – I put a little three-leg parlay. Ooh. Money. I'm going for the money here. I'm not saying – what my heart will say. I'm saying what my mind will say. My three-leg parlay, I got Magomed, Hamzat, and Islam. You if you're what? being smart with your money, those are the three. For those three last fights on that main card, it's definitely what you're going to want to do. For the fliff, at least. Yes, for, for fliff. fliff. Now, you know what? As a little thing for my... For my guest. Yeah. I will place that bet as well. You'll place that bet? I will. I will. I trust you with money. You've proven me wrong before. Plus, that's, I mean, it's all the same picks, honestly. Yeah, of course. But still, yeah, we'll still give it a shot. Now, for our final segment before we leave, we've got UFC news. Now, we've got a lot of UFC news. The UFC has been popping in the last few weeks. We've got some major updates, and we got a lot to talk about still. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we have confirmation that the notorious Conor McGregor has rejoined the USADA testing pool. Uh, as soon as this happened, everyone was just in love with the idea that Conor is going to headline UFC 300 in April. However, Preston, does he deserve it? Does he deserve it? No. Will he get it? 100%. That's that Dana White privilege, baby. Okay. Let me, let me backtrack really quick. 300, I don't see him headlining now that I think about it. 300 is obviously... UFC 300 is going to be a major event, one of the biggest in the past however many years, considering it's a, you know. Yeah, it's a huge milestone. Huge milestone. Huge. I think he will get a five-round fight against Michael Chandler as the third fight on the main card. Quite frankly? I think there will be two title fights after him, and I don't see a position where Dana will put two title fights before a Conor McGregor fight. Honestly, I don't even think that you put Conor on this card. Because you can put, well, no, because hear me out. You remember when Conor fought Cowboy? Yes. You remember how pitiful 
and disgusting and revolting that card was. Yeah. You remember how well it sold? It, unbelievably. Exactly. That is my point. Whenever Connor comes back, your pay-per-views just skyrocket. It's they, Conor McGregor. You, they it, put the moon out of its orbit. The pay-per-view king. Exactly. Pay-per-view king. So why waste the talent and the money on 300? I get it. He's done a lot for the sport. He's made it a lot more popular. I understand that. Props to him. However, why don't you make yourselves both a little bit more money and put them at, say, 299 I, I can agree with that. Or even 301 Like, I don't know. I don't know. However, speaking of USADA and Mr. McGregor, mm-hmm. the UFC has announced that they will no longer be... Um, They're parting ways with yes, USADA. They will not be it's- with USADA anymore. So... And it all happened because of a dispute over Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, of Um, course. According to The Guardian, the Drug-Free Sports International will be taking over operation of the drug testing in the UFC starting in January. And, um, you know, the whole reason was because, like, Conor wanted to fight in December. But then under USADA rules, he wouldn't be able to, um, you know, after his gruesome leg injury. And then he has to be in the testing pool. Six months. Six months. He has to test twice. Now... Okay, is this fair for the UFC to break up with USADA over this and a lot of previous slip-ups? Or is this just Uncle Dana looking out for his prized chicken? See, I would I would I can see both, but I feel like this is a different a different circumstance. I feel like while Conor McGregor was the final straw with the USADA issue, that is not what led up to them parting ways with USADA. USADA has been unfair to many fighters, one notably being Conor McGregor, of course, but also another notable one, Paulo Costa. Yes. Um, Paulo Costa being the funny guy he is, he would go on Instagram Live um, when USADA shows up to his door at around 5 to 6 a.m. for random testing. Weekly. Weekly. They abused their power and had numerous testing weekly for Paulo Costa and many other fighters, which other fighters I can't currently name at the moment, but I am certain that this has been a running benefactor in the parting ways with USADA. And, you know, there's also been um, moments where, like, fighters have done something and, like, they will test dirty when they didn't do anything dirty. You know, my, my favorite example of this, and this is a terrible example, John Jones getting popped for a gas station pill. Yes. My favorite example. It's the funniest. I mean, look, is John Jones a cheater? Oh, well, of course we, he is. I mean, we, can, we can talk about that later. We can talk about that later. Let's talk about that after he retires. You know, let's just let me feel good about John for like, yeah. you know, a little bit longer. Still want to ride the John hype train for a little bit, but yeah. still. But still, I'm sorry. I'm a John Jones no, fan. Fair boy. enough. But I am too. I like him. I like him. But still. Greatest Still. of all time until Saturday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, Wolf gets it for like a month and it comes hey, back. If, then if, daddy's <laughs> home, you know, daddy's home. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. I do kind of feel like this was a lot of things building up, but still I also could see Dana just losing it. Uh, moving on to Volkanovsky. He announced that if he ends up losing this next fight, he's going to take some time off to recover. However, if he wins... He says that there's a pretty good chance that he's going to turn around and fight Ilya Teporia at UFC 297 still, mm-hmm. which, grand, 
This is in eight weeks. Now, I is this too much for Volk? See, this was the thing. I, I don't think it's too much for Volk at all, but I don't think he should do it at the same time. I think he should let... And this is... Could, this has already been talked about by the UFC. Yeah. Um, an interim title fight with Max Holloway and Ilya Tapuria is the best outcome for the featherweight division at the moment. While yes. I don't think that Max Holloway deserves another chance at the title yet, if yet. he beats Ilya in dominant fashion, I think he has to be dominant in order to really get this title shot. Yes. I feel like the winner of that obviously is next yeah. for the title shot. It's gonna yeah. be it's an interim title. That's you what they're to. talking about. Yeah, I don't I I don't see Max winning that. And that's crazy because Max Holloway is the most dominant featherweight besides Volkanovsky. He's beaten everybody. Know. You know I don't know. I genuinely I need to go back and I need to rewatch a lot of Deporia's stuff and mm. Max's stuff side by side before I can actually make a decent assumption on that. Yeah. Just because otherwise I'm just gonna be blown smoke. And I I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. I really do agree with you though. If Volk wins this, he should not be fighting at 297. Let I think himself... he should wait till 298 or 99. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. I honestly the, Yeah. This is what I have to say. Yeah. Volk you know, in the featherweight division as the champion, and he's waiting for a fight. And I think that if Max and Ilya go on, that Ilya will just be too much for him at that point. And I think this is where we're going to start seeing Max fade away. Um, and it's been really hard to get Max to fade away. He's coming off of a win against, I think it's Arnold Allen, right? That was I his last so. No, Korean no. Zombie. Korean, Korean zombie. zombie. He knocked yeah, out Korean Zombie. I forgot about sad. that. That was um, He did beat... Arnold Allen, which is a fantastic fighter. I will yeah. say Arnold Allen, he just gets a little too wild, and that's where Max, you know, shines. Um, which is how he put Korean Zombie away. I think that... Looking at Ilya Tapuria, and I know we're not really talking about this fight too much, we're more on the Volkanovsky standpoint, but it all ties in, I'd say. Ilya Tapuria... His last two fights were Josh Emmett and Bryce Mitchell, me being a you know, pretty decently sized uh, Bryce Mitchell fan. Yeah. Um, physically and, you know, with my heart, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bryce Mitchell got dominated. And I yeah. was sticking to the fact that he had the flu during the fight, which he did, of course. But, but then watching his ne- Bryce Mitchell's next fight with Dan Ige, Dan Ige gave him some trouble. He did. In Dan Ige giving people trouble doesn't really it's make the nice. opponent look good at all. No. Dan Ige's a great fighter, but he's one of the – he is – how do I say this? You're going to understand it more. A lot of other people won't. He is the Pedro Munoz of that division. I agree. A thousand percent. Pedro yes. Munoz being yes. featherweight and being stuck in the middle throughout his whole career. Yes, and it sucks, but, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. And the while I disagree with the scorecards of Ilya Tapuria's last fight, it definitely was minimum 50-45. Yeah. He scored the first, I think it was the first ever 50-42, mm-hmm. which is blasphemy to me. That is that's, unbe- that That's reaching. Dude, immaculate cap. Maximum, maximum, unanimous 50-43. Yeah. Maximum, even 44. I mean, 
I don't, yeah. 50-45, That should have been the That's, score. Yeah. That judge giving it a 42. Well, he did dominate. Dominate. Yeah, Josh but I mean, still, like, that's not a 42. Yeah. Like, I don't know what he was watching. I really don't. I mean, I get it. He was dominating, but still. I, like, <laughs> no. And then we've got two more stories that are coming out. Um, so Israel Adesanya announced that he's going to be stepping away from fighting for a little bit to recover and to clear his mind. Um, he did make it clear he's not retiring, but he also did say, "Don't expect me to see me like don't expect to see me fighting anytime soon." So it started off with the people just saying, "Oh, he's ducking Drikus, he's ducking <laughs> Sean, you know, ducking the real African." <laughs> but you know what? And then it came out that he was offered a title rematch and. Declined it. Yeah, he said no. Declined it. He said no. However, you know, I like Izzy. I like him, but I'm not going to be one of those guys who defends him to the death. But you know what? I really do support him taking time away. He's fought something ridiculous, like what, three or four times in the last year for multiple years Each now? year, I think he fights a minimum three times. Yes. Each year. That is such started. a toll on your body. He is the most health. active fighter and, in yeah. all of the UFC, and you know champion-wise. Yes. And, like, it's great for um, the division. It's great for sales. It's great for um, even just his fans. But still, you have to take some time off, especially, um, you know, coming off a fight that you were tailor-made to win. And you just get shut out. Yeah. You know, plus he has that DUI situation that he needs to work through. He needs to improve on that personally. So, yeah, I'm a thousand percent on board with him taking time off. I you know, um, I don't know. Preston, how long do you think that he should take off? <sighs> minimum four months. Minimum four to five months. If I'm going to say maximum, don't take over a year. You're going to just. I feel like the sweet spot's like eight to nine. I'm saying minimum six. I'm saying minimum. I'll stick with a minimum five. I think he's going to come back in April or May of next year. I don't know. He needs some time, man. He needs time. And I know that John Jones came out. He was just like, hey, like, you know, I see what you're doing. Like, it's great. Uh, That two-year layoff that I took, like, it was great for the heart and mind. And, like, I love that and all that. But still, like, dude, you got to take time off. Yeah. You need to take time off. Because if you do that... There's just going to be not a whole lot there left when you retire. And you're also not going to be the same fighter that you were. You're not going to be that guy anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to come back and you're not going to be the Israel Adesanya that you once were. So our final story actually broke today. Uh, we have two new huge names coming to UFC 296. Josh Emmett. Mm-hmm. And Cody Glass, Chin Garbrandt. They are coming to 296. Preston, I am so excited for this I'm so excited. I am so excited. Yes. I think stacked. Cody Garbrandt is being handed a win here fighting uh, Brian. I think his name's Kel here. That's his last name. It's a young guy. Um, up and coming guy. Yeah. Cody Garbrandt is he's coming off a win against Trevin Giles. Mm-hmm. It was Trevin Giles, right? I think it was Trevin. Was it? Th- it might have been. No, yeah. not Trevin Giles. Uh, Who did he beat? Let's see. Yeah, we're just taking a look here. Um, We just want to make sure that we're getting stuff right. We don't want to feed you guys a bunch of baloney here. Um, Preston, are you seeing anything? Yes, I am. It 
Okay. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Trevin Giles. Trevin Jones. Yeah. Trevin okay. Jones. Okay. Trevin Giles is a uh, light heavyweight, I'm pretty sure. But um, I can see Cody Garbrandt winning this. I am looking at this fight right now, Cody Garbrandt and Brian Kelly here, and yep. I was completely wrong. I was under the understanding that Brian Kelly here was an up-and-coming fighter. Okay. He is 24 and 14, and I didn't even realize that. I don't know yeah. much about Brian Kelly here. No, uh, I don't Besides, I, did, I do remember his last fight, which was uh, Mario Batista. Yep. He got submitted okay. in the first round. And the fight before that, he got submitted by Umar Nurmagomedov yeah. in the first round. Yeah. Obviously, he is not great. Mm-hmm. At ground game. No. And that's saying a lot considering he majors in BJJ. Yeah. Cody Garbrandt, I think, is getting handed a win here. And with the other fight on the card, Josh Emmett and Giga Chikotsky. This is a great fight. Great fight for this mm-hmm. division. Yeah. Um, it's setting up Josh Emmett coming back into the top five but also setting up Giga Chikotsky coming back after that cater beatdown. Yeah. Um, this is a great fight for the both of them. Um, I'm just excited. That card is great. That you card know. is great. And we can that, – that's all I have to say on that. I have some other small news, yeah, UFC news. Bring it up. Um, What's up? Recently, past couple days, um, UFC has dropped many fighters. A lot and of which, yeah. A lot of them being no names, but there are two notable ones that struck my eye that are making me very, very, very upset. One in particular because he didn't deserve it whatsoever. Number one, Andre Fialo, released mm. from the UFC after getting what? Didn't he get knocked out by Tim Buys? Tim Buys, Tim Means. I'm yeah, thinking JP Buys. Yeah. Because JP Buys was also released from the UFC, but that's something else. And the second fighter who I think did not deserve this whatsoever was John McDessie. What? Yes. That John McDessie. That one slipping over my radar. So, Are you serious? John McDessie's last fight was a complete, complete robbery. Yeah. I forgot who he fought. Let me double check that. Um, wow. I am just hearing this. I just, I didn't know that. Yeah, John McDessie was released from the UFC. What day was this? Like two days ago. Same day as we fell. They had oh dropped like gosh. eight fighters. I'm trying to remember. Wow. Um, That's terrible. That is terrible. He did so not deserve that in the slightest. John McDessie, John the Bull McDessie, his last fight, he's he's currently 18-9. His last fight was Jamie Malarkey, yeah. which he lost a decision, which I think Jamie, Malar- Jamie Malarkey definitely lost this fight. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, it's upsetting to see. He, he's been around for a while. Um, while his career was dying down, I feel like the way his departure ended up is not deserving. Just sad. Yeah. It's sad. sad. It's just genuinely sad. He, he got screwed over by the UFC, and I can say that confidently. He got screwed over. It was it, It's tough. Yeah. That one's really difficult. But, yeah, this, this card coming up this weekend – Make sure if you're a UFC fan, even if you're not, it'll be a fun watch, and I would definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. Um, that's really all that we've got for you. Again, Preston, thank you very much for coming of on. Of course, man. this was awesome time. I yes, had a great time. of course. Um, you know, there's definitely 
an opportunity. There's something that I'm plotting. All right. There's something that I'm plotting. I'm going to well, talk we'll about we'll it. Talk, we'll talk, we'll talk behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah we'll talk behind, behind the, scenes. the scenes. We'll talk. We'll talk behind the scenes. But again, thank you very much. Um, that's all that we've got for you guys. Okay, enjoy your weekend. Of course. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Um, great to talk about all this. Great to help out any way I can. Of course. This is a great talk. Yes. Great talk. Yes. And for everyone that's going to be gambling this week, please be safe. Be smart. I mean, I know that I made a joke about gambling the tuition. Please don't do that. <laughs> that repl- yeah, that dude, reflects that very poorly. Not a great idea. Not a great idea. But anyways, be safe this weekend. Have fun. Tip your server. And I will see you guys in two weeks.